0: Okay, grab your Bibles and open them, if you will, pardon me, to Mark chapter 14. And let me begin reading to you at verse 22, and I'll read through verse 31. What's found there reads like this. As they were eating, he took bread, and after it broke it and gave it to them and said, take, this is my body, and he took a cup, And they all said the same. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God, this word, this endures forever. Guys, let me just point out a couple of things in these these two paragraphs and then we'll move to the sacrament itself. I think think you all know that there are those who uh, tell us that the words that you find here in verse 22 and 24, when Jesus says, this is my body and this is my blood, we are told by them that, those, that we are to interpret that literally. That is, that when we, when we consume uh, these elements that you're about to come get, that we are actually and really ingesting the body and the blood of Jesus Christ, that we are swallowing... That which is the actual body and blood of Jesus Christ. That view, that position is called transubstantiation, and it is taught by the church at Rome. Now, I would suggest to you um, that the 12 men seated around that table would have never dreamed of understanding Jesus was to be understood literally, and I would go so far as to say that they would laugh that position to scorn. And let me tell you why I, why I say that. Folks, um, when Jesus said that and he said, This is my body, those men sitting around that table were watching someone in their body say, This is my body. That is, when Jesus said that, he's still in his body when he says, This is my body. So, so what are they thinking? Wait, 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 wait a minute. Do you have two bodies? Because the body that I'm sitting next to is very unlike the body that you that is in my hand in the cup and in the, in the loaf of bread. And then when he says, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, this is my blood, they're thinking, wait. You, you know, your blood is still in your veins. You're sitting there, you're teaching, you're not bleeding. So they would have no idea. No, not the... First hint that he was talking about literal body and blood because the body and the blood was right there seated next to them. Jesus is using that terminology, as he does so many times in the New Testament, as, um, as a way to symbolize things or figurative language when he says things like, um, I am the door. He doesn't mean that he's a flat piece of wood with hinges and a doorknob. But he's saying, my being a door represents the entrance into eternal life. And this is my body. This represents my body. This represents my blood. It had to be understood like that because he was saying it while they stared at him. And that's the first thing. The second thing I'd like for you to take note of is that they sang a hymn. And maybe that doesn't seem like much, but imagine, Jesus knows that in the next few minutes, he's going to be arrested by a lynch mob, and they sing a hymn? What calm, what confidence. He goes to pray there in the Garden of Gethsemane, and um, he doesn't say, all right, now guys, y'all stand guard over here, put, you know, put the, everybody stand guard, and if you see any mobs that are in uh, a of people headed this way, let me know, didn't see any of that. He sings a hymn because he knows, has confidence in that which he's about to accomplish. One other thing, which is really what I want you to see this morning, the thing that I wanted to spend more time on, is that I I wanted you to notice Peter's blunder. Did you see it? In verse 27, Jesus says, well, you're all going to fall away. You're going to strike the shepherd and the sheep are going to scatter. And Peter responds like this. What? No way. Now, they might. They might do that, but not me. (laughs) We all know know they're a bunch of 'er ne'er-do-wells, but not them. I mean, they might, but they will? Yeah, I get it, but not me. Peter had an awfully high view of himself, did he not? Um. There's, there's a point I want to make, but before I make it, I want to tell you a story. Uh, it's a story that's found in 1 Samuel 4. You remember back then, 1 Samuel 4 era, that Israel was being ruled by judges. Remember that? There's a whole book in the Bible called Judges, and that's what they were, a bunch of men who, who ruled in Israel. Well, the one that was ruling at that time was a guy by the name of Eli. He was a priest, and he had two sons whose name were Hophni and Phinehas, and they were both bad, bad boys. And so God comes to a young boy, a boy of eight to 10. His name is Samuel. And he says to Samuel, I am about to do something in Israel that when the people of Israel hear about it, their ears will tingle. And uh, what God has in mind is a war a war between Philistia and Israel. And so in 1 Samuel 4, that war is described. So Philistia brings her army out, and Israel brings her army out, and they fight on the first day of the battle. Israel loses. 4,000 men, 4,000 soldiers are killed. And so they return to their camp at night and they are distraught. What has happened? How could this happen to us? Where is the problem here? What is the problem? And somebody within all that, um, that moaning suggests that maybe we should go get the Ark of the Covenant. You know, it's right over here in Shiloh. That's where the tabernacle was. Let's go get the Ark of the Covenant. Remember that thing had the uh, the Ten Commandments inside it? Uh, Slab of gold, mercy seat. Remember that? Let's go get the Ark of the Covenant and bring it out to the battlefield. And when we get that thing on the battlefield, then we'll whoop them. (laughs) All we got to do is go get that thing and put it out here. And and boy, we'll we'll get them in. Next day comes another battle. Israel loses again. And this time it's 26,000 soldiers for a total of 30,000 soldiers they, they lost. But guys, do you see the mistake that they made? They were thinking that if we can get that thing called the Ark of the Covenant, we can get it out here. They were viewing it like it was some kind of rabbit's foot, some kind of mystical religious object. You know, maybe some kind of incantation that we can all mouth. And once we do those right things, then we've done the right formula and, and then we'll woof them. I'm suggesting that the 12 made a similar mistake on this night in Mark 14. They had just experienced The event where Jesus institutes the sacrament of the covenant, the Lord's Supper. We are going to, he is going to introduce something brand new to them, and they're the first to ever have experienced it. And yet they finish that, they sing a hymn, and then they go out and they do this. Here's one guy saying, them? They're no good, but I'm much better. But then they all end up running like a bunch of scared puppies. I don't know exactly all that contributed to that failure, but I think this is at least part of it. They went through a spiritual experience, and they thought as long as we go through the right motions... And say the right things and perform in a manner that is according to rule, everything will be fine. And yet, it didn't work like that. And so, my brother and sister in Christ, what I'm saying to you is this. I don't want to see us make the mistake that Israel made over the ark. Or the twelve made over the Lord's Supper. Because just because we can do that doesn't mean that we can't do this. Guys, maybe our failure would not be betrayal or denial. But it could certainly lead us to a period of neglect and drifting over our souls. If we ever come to the place where Jesus Christ is not enough for us, then a process of erosion begins to take over in the soul and it ends up in collapse. Folks, going through religious motions, doing the right ritualistic duty, just for the sake of doing it, can be really damaging for the soul. Folks, there's not anybody in this room that's more guilty of that than I am. I have to leave this twelve times a year. And so there is this constant temptation to get it done. So ladies and gentlemen, if that's all you accomplish this morning, you might be just setting in motion a period of neglect and drifting. This sacrament was not intended to be some kind of rabbit's foot for your soul. It's intended to be a a period, a a brief moment in time where we can be reminded that we must feed on Christ. If that's not what takes place with you, you've wasted your time and you may have done positive damage to your own soul. This sacrament is intended to remind us that the way that we avoid the erosion of the soul is by feeding on Christ. Our Father, would you meet us here now? Would you um, remind us that what we need more than anything is not more religious duty. What we need is to feed off the Savior. Meet us here for the sake of our souls. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.